0: Hello and welcome to that film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode we've got another movie review and this time we're looking at X-Men Dark Phoenix. X-Men Dark Phoenix
1: is the latest installment in the X-Men film series. Serving as a sequel to X-Men Apocalypse, it is the 12th film in the entire franchise and the 7th and final installment in the main X-Men series. The movie is out now so if you haven't watched X-Men Dark Phoenix yet but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking
0: spoilers. Written and directed by Simon Kinberg in his directorial debut, X-Men: Dark Phoenix is the swan song for the 20th Century Fox-produced X-Men films. After X-Men: Days of Future Past erased the events of the original trilogy, X-Men, X-Men 2, and X-Men: The Last Stand from the series timeline, this movie takes another attempt at adapting Chris Claremont and John Byrne's The Dark Phoenix saga, that first appeared in Uncanny X-Men issue 129 through 138 back in 1980.
1: <laughs> Jason, you have the plot. In 1992, so this is nine years after X-Men Apocalypse, mutant kind are generally accepted and the X-Men are widely celebrated as superheroes. During a life-threatening rescue mission in space, Jean Grey, played by Sophie Turner, is hit by a cosmic force that transforms her into one of the most powerful mutants of all. Wrestling with this increasingly unstable power as well as her own personal demons, Gene spirals out of control, tearing the X-Men family apart and threatening to destroy the very fabric of our planet. The X-Men must face their most devastating enemy yet, one of their own. But also, there is a race of shape-shifting aliens led by Jessica Chastain who plan on using the Phoenix Force for their own means. Sounds a bit enough. <laughs> if I'm,
0: honest, I'm not saying the movie is. Well, the, the, um, the description... Yeah, it kind of trails off when we're talking about Jessica Chastain, aliens and all of that. Um, but we yeah. will get into it. We'll address all of this. I want to start with Apocalypse. At the end of that movie, there's a moment that I know you loved where Phoenix, or at the mm. time, Jean Grey, she embraces the Phoenix
1: Force. She raises up and she's all powerful. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a the flame in the shape of they a Phoenix. They set up it's... Phoenix there. And it got
0: me excited. But then it gets left. Because as you say, what was it, nine, nine years, years later, later, Yeah. It. what we're seeing in Apocalypse, oh, so they're, they're showing us the beginning, like the origin of Phoenix, yet it wasn't. Oh. Because then in this film, oh no, 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 that wasn't the origin of Phoenix, this is, yeah, the so big what, cloud in space. I mean,
1: this, 19 years, 12 movies, There. this... Series is notorious for its continuity timeline errors, all this bullshit. But for the most part, you can look past a lot of it. Timeline, you really just gotta squint, you got tilt your just... head. But you said it though. This is a sequel to Apocalypse. But even from one sequel to the, a direct sequel, they're just retconning something in the final moments of the of the previous film. It just I, I just don't. I don't understand. And then you have the, you know, this cosmic thing. You know, giving her. Well, it's implied that it's giving her the power, like the putting the Phoenix Force in it. And but it wasn't. Just, but it wasn't. It was just triggering her. Does it make sense? I don't even. I don't know. It was a cool scene, though. I, it was. It I was like, a cool scene. Yeah, it's. We'll we'll get to all that. But yeah, you're right. It's. It's crazy. But the
0: final moments of apocalypse. We got those amazing X Men
1: costumes, and did that not just get you so excited? Yes, it like, did. It was like, <laughs> holy shit, we're getting
0: we're getting the X Men. Like, we're getting them. The decision made with this movie to have the costume resembles resemble the ones from Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely's X Men comic of the nineties. I do like that, so I do get why they made the decision. But I really, I'm, I don't. I'm just
1: very disappointed we did not get to see those costumes the, in action. It's the fact, yeah, that we did see them at the end of just a podcast and then to not have them. I mean, we already got the yellow type suits in first class. Well, yeah,
0: I think. And they were
1: more like flight suits, weren't they? Yeah, pretty much. Like, there wasn't a big X thing on them. I mean, I don't know. It just feels weird they were reverted back to the yellow. Here's where I am. I'm disappointed we didn't get to see those
0: costumes at the end of Apocalypse. But but at the same time, these costumes in Dark Phoenix and watching them all operate as superheroes, it was great seeing them all
1: together. I gotta say, like, I mean, I said this in in our X-Men Apocalypse review, and yes, there are things that I will take back from that. But one of the things I did say was that was the first time we saw the X-Men using all their powers pretty much at the same time to solve one problem. In previous films, you know, you'd seen characters use their powers one at a time, sometimes a little bit at the same time, but there wasn't that thing of of the team doing things and sort of solving a problem. In this movie, that opening scene where they go into space and, you know, they're they're sorting they're rescuing those astronauts and all that off the Endeavour or whatever it's called. To me I was like, this is the animated series or the comic it on the screen. It
0: is a very strong opening. It's a
1: lot of the, the popular characters that we love, that we want to see using their powers. You know, Storm, Cyclops, Jean Grey, uh, Nightcrawler, Quicksilver, Beast. Like, they're all there. They're all doing things. It was really fun. And I was like, yes. So after all these movies, this is a moment that it's like, wow. Yeah, we're finally getting it on screen. The opening scene is by far one of the best
0: scenes in the whole movie. So if you look at it that way, it kind of peaks early. <laughs> and although there is other good spectacles in this movie, for me that opening
1: was the best. I gotta say there there are there are like little glimmers of cool moments and fun things and you know cool set pieces and action. Actually, action's pretty decent in this. There's film. times it's where, throughout.
0: Yeah, there's times where they really do capture the comics and the the beginning of the movie has two examples. We're talking about the rescue in space. And then you've got the the campfire. And you've got Dazzler. First time we've got her on screen. And that's what the X-Men did. Like You would see them together. So they're at the school, but you'd see them in action as superheroes. But then downtime, they're playing baseball. You know, they're, they're dancing around the campfire in this movie. They're doing things together, like in and out of costume. And we got that in this movie. So when it started, I'm
1: like... We're in for a, a good movie here. Actually, That's another thing as well, like the, the whole superhero thing. In all of the movies so far, whenever you see these characters, you know, doing heroic things or using their powers or doing something, it's either for like a situation that they happen to be caught up in or something that they're trying to resolve or something to do with them. There's never been a situation where they've gone out of their way to just do sort of, Superhero, heroic, you know, super saves kind it's of. It's always thing. been like a reaction to something. Yeah. In this, the president, the equivalent of a bat phone,
0: <laughs> calls pisses, <laughs> picks pisses, <up, laughs> picks up the the phone and
1: calls Xavier and says, "We need the X Men. We need the X Men." And off they go. And Quicksilver's like, "We're doing space missions now." I mean, tongue in cheek, a little bit meta, but it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Why then So the hell? opening
0: of the movie, it's just working for me. These characters like. Since first class, we've jumped ahead ten years, haven't we? This one nine years. Yeah, almost ten. So if
1: you if you think about this this uh, these set set of characters from first class um, set in nineteen sixty two or three, I think it was. You know, Charles Xavier is probably in his twenties, early twenties. Magneto's probably about the same. So fifties now. Yeah, pretty much fifties or approaching the sixties.
0: But if you there's a meme online. And it's got, like, three pictures of Michael Fassbender, Magneto, and then the last picture, the third one, is dated 1992. And then the next one is Ian McKellen dated 2000. Now, I do realise that first X-Men movie, it opens with... The not too distant future. Yeah, so that could be like 2010, 2020, even. But like it came out like... in 2000. Let's call it 2000. I mean, it's not going to be too far ahead. Like, it wasn't until first class. It'd be that they far started 10 years, really. A definitive date on it. But still, even if it's 13 years later, to go from Fast Spender in this to Ian
1: McKellen in the first X Men. Mm. Wow, the only one, the only character that has the exceptions to this rule is Jennifer Lawrence's uh, Mystique, which they established in one of the movies. That was like because of her genetic makeup, she does age a little bit differently, similar to to like Wolverine. But but let me chuck a spanner in the works, Dead.
0: <laughs> so she's really not like, popping up in that X Men movie. She ah oh
1: yeah. Yeah. How does
0: time travel work in this franchise? Because are we cause ordinarily most time travel stories, whether it's like comics, uh, books, movies, TV, if something happens in the past, I guess the, the best comparison is
1: Back to the Future. What happens in the past affects the future. The rules set up in this franchise, at least from Days of Future Past, where the time travel was a big dump, there, they establish that as soon as you change something in the past, it will erase whatever future was there and a new present would be created now when wolverine went back and you know you know they did their whole days of future past thing they sold it they changed things mystique you know like did something good and then she went on a different path which affected a whole lot of stuff wolverine jumped back into i guess his present but of the new timeline and as far as that stand, what we could find in that little final scene was that the x mansion was still there the school was running. A lot of the characters were alive and well and there and present. If you look at the end of this movie, uh, I mean, there's still a chance that, you know, there's more stuff to happen that would eventually lead them all there. But in a broader sense, it doesn't make any sense. It's not even the Xavier Institute anymore. It's the Jean
0: Grey School of whatever higher learning. Which doesn't even make any sense there. I mean, it's literally from the comics. So I liked it for that. Like, oh, so in the comics, that is from the comics. Jean Grey, she was dead for a long time. Now she's back because they all come back. And there was a period where they renamed the school after her. Yeah, So it was a nice touch. Oh, so, it was a, so they did change it back in the comics? Yeah, she came back to life. So I'm sure they've renamed it the <laughs> Xavier Institute.
1: Because so, I, was, I was thinking when that did happen, you know, at the very end of the movie, I was like... Okay, I get it. She, you know, she did save them all at the end. All I mean, good. as a
0: character, Sabretooth is problematic.
1: There's so many... There's so <laughs> many...
0: Do you know what I mean? Like, he's, you know, he was the ex-wrestler, uh, Tyler, what's-his-face, in the, in the first yeah, X-Men movie. Yeah, and then he movie.
1: was um, Lou Schraber. Yeah, for... and he's Wolverine's brother. And
0: there's all this muddled stuff. But the ages, though, there is a line in First Class... And I think it's said by Xavier, if not, it was said by somebody, their mutation actually slows down their aging. They only, no,
1: they only said that for Mystique. Oh, really? Beast, I think it's Beast who says it, or Hank McCoy, he says it to, oh, I thought it was to Raven about, about mutants, her. But it was like, her. Because of her unique genetic makeup, she will age slower. She's the only one that he says that to
0: Tell you what, I am ready for Mystique not to be an X-Man. <laughs> she's a bad guy. She's, but I get it. Jennifer Lawrence as mm. an actress blew up, so therefore, we need more of her and let's make her part of the team. Always hated that. See, so decision. that worked.
1: That worked when they went into Days of Future Past, and then even when they tried to do Apocalypse. But it's like I think she blew up too big. That she was just she's just not interested anymore. I mean, you can tell that in this movie. I mean, she literally. Gets booted out. Okay, not literally. She, I mean, she's dead. She's out. Oh, Very Mystique, early on in the movie.
0: Whether it's Rebecca Remain or Jennifer Lawrence, Mystique is a character. It's a really interesting character. You know, she's got really good power. And yeah, she's, physically combat. But not only, York. yeah, again, the combat. She's got all these things going for her. And then she's just killed. Mm. And we got to see it in the trailer <laughs> as well. But what I did notice, though, and maybe it's just me... But in the movie, the blue, the effects, actually look better than that trailer. It looked like they've done a touch job. It's
1: still, it's still very Not basic as good as makeup.
0: The, the effects look better a Mystique in that first X-Men movie. That shouldn't be the case. 19 years later, the effects look worse.
1: But it's just like... You mean like the transforming effect? No, the transforming just the effects, makeup. Just
0: shouldn't... the actual makeup. I will say it did look better in the movie, but it still didn't
1: look to that standard. Even if you look at... Jennifer Lawrence in First Class to Days of Future Past to Apocalypse to Now in Dark Phoenix, put her face side by side like the actual Mystique faces. The blue is just like it's, it's, it's so light. There's no scales, and I get she can shape shift, but I'm assuming when she's in a Mystique form, she is she's not using her power, so she's just default mode. Yeah, she's she like, should she's, look the same. She's
0: comfortable. She's not thinking about it. Like yeah. she, when she's using a power, it's like you're always using that power. The the redness of the hair. I think because the colour is off on the blue skin, whenever she was on screen, I couldn't help but not look at her hair. I was very distracted by it. That has not happened in any other x yeah. film. She's always been blue, she's always had
1: red hair. And there's always been something else distracting you when she's on screen, surely. But the, <laughs> the,
0: but the tone of blue, the tone of, of red, it was just really distracting for me this time. But you can guarantee, if like in Days of Future Past, she had more screen time, the effects are going to look better. Mm. They're going to spend the money where they need to spend the money. And they kind of figured
1: she's in it for a limited period of time. And it's disappointing. But that's the thing. It's like because she has so few scenes, they might as well have just, you know, done her up. You know, put her in the chair for six hours or whatever it is. Maybe she wasn't willing to spend the time. I don't know.
0: I can't speak to Jennifer Lawrence. But again, like I mentioned, she's big time now. Do you know what I mean? And she wasn't back then. And it just seems like the more popular she got as an actress the less blue mystique we got, until eventually she's like, I'll do it, but you kill me. It's <laughs> like Harrison Ford, you know,
1: it's like, like, I'll just, play a Han again, I'll pop me. up, yeah. Just, but this, has, this is the last time, and I want to make sure it is. Um, so, I guess, before we get into the nitty-gritty of this all, with this being, potentially, you know, we've got the whole Fox-Disney deal thing, these movies are pretty much, they're gone, That's, it's, it's the end the of the it. It's the last
0: X-Men film proper, but Disney are saying that we will get the New Mutants
1: on the big screen. Right. So we still got that movie, which is, I guess, in this continuity, but I don't think there'll be any sort of heavy ties anyway, so it probably won't even really matter. Um, but when you were going into this, were you prepared for, I guess, the end? What were you expecting? Like, were you expecting a send-off, or were you expecting what we got, which was a movie? You know, there's, there's included. been... Included. <laughs> yeah. There, there's been some ups and downs
0: with this franchise, and, you know, it's an... It's an impressive feat, you know, nine, nineteen years. Yeah, I've always said the fact that they, I mean, they did softly reboot, but I mean, they, they did. didn't, yeah, reboot. It was still, you know, even in that, even in First Class before they did Days of Future Past, we got a cameo huge Jackman back as Wolverine. It's very much in in mm. that world. It's been an ongoing story, Deadpool, which is you know mainly for laughs, <laughs> very much set in this world. We got to see the young actors. In Deadpool 2, which was a good scene, that first X-Men movie, like we're looking at what we have now with the MCU, the DC films, it started with X-Men in 2000. People will say, go back two years, it started with Blade. But Blade, although, you know, it kind of did, but Blade works on its own. Like you don't need to know it's a Marvel comic film, it's a horror movie, it's an action movie, it very much is its own thing. X-Men... Was the start of superhero films being taken seriously? Yep. and for it to end now, even if it, Dark Phoenix wasn't going to be the best film, like I was going to be there opening weekend watching it and just enjoying these characters. The storytelling is not always the best, and again, hits and misses. But what you've consistently got in these X Men movies is good performances. Whether it's the original cast with like Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen yeah, or the new younger, Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy, so even in this film, when some of the dialogue, it's like, could we not have taken another pass on this line? <laughs> yeah. It's still
1: delivered professionally and by a good actor. Yeah, like delivered well, but it's just like, oh, if you deconstruct those lines, it's like, was that the best they could come up with? <laughs> You're hearing about
0: problems behind the scenes and reshoots and everything else. And what I've read is the way this movie ended wasn't the original plan. We got that in Captain Marvel. Mm. So they didn't want to repeat it here. We had a big battle in space. We had an all-powerful female character flying through ships. We had a
1: race of... uh... Shape-shifting aliens, squirrels, which... exactly. But these aliens, like the Dabari or whatever, apparently they are part of the Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix saga, or, or whatnot. I'm not, I'm not too attached to the, the comic or itself. I remember watching the cartoon, like the, the the story arc in the cartoon, and that's was years ago, so I yeah, barely these, remember. These that. characters are from the comics, but originally, right, it was going to be
0: squirrels, but they had to change it. So instead of having this big third act battle in space, it's on a train. Which I still think that is an impressive scene and no doubt we'll speak to that more later on. But it's not quite X Men in Space having a battle.
1: It's but yeah, it's like the movie starts in space, ends on a train.
0: But originally like, it, grounds it.
1: it was gonna like
0: come full circle and you'd be out in space again. You've got this big battle and yeah. alien ships. And the characters, the aliens are depicted more like squirrels in this, only they refer to them as, you know, the the other race from the comics. The the character of Vok, the Jessica Chastain character in the comics,
1: was a male, and they have changed that. Which no, that's fine. Oh, that's just an alien taking but over. Holy human shit! Posts, so. Was she wasted in this movie? <laughs> Jessica Chastain, yes, should never be wasted. You've oh got to think God.
0: she signed on before she read a script,
1: or she signed on after reading the scripts. I got changed into what we got. I did see like a, some sort of uh, video. internet promotional thing and there was an interview with her and she was actually admittedly saying I'm not really sure who my character ended up being by the end of it because she had filmed things she had delivered lines they weren't in the movie things have changed that whole third act yeah so I don't know I don't know but before we get into the character breakdowns
0: the score Hans Zimmer was the composer on this movie he is one of my Favorites Now, growing up, John Williams had always been that guy. And he still performs today to such a high standard. But I guess where my tastes are at, I really gravitate towards Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer is a fantastic um, composer. If I know he's on a film, and I wasn't originally interested in that film, I I will watch it because he's done the score. So knowing that he was doing this X-Men film, thinking, oh, what is it going to be? My verdict is that it's a very good score. It is a good score. But it's not an X Men score. It's not an X Men (laughs) score. That was like my big thing. Even, like, oh God, even The Last Stand isn't the best X Men score. And was that
1: still. John Ottman did X2, didn't he? Did he come
0: back and do three? He
1: pretty much did the Brian Singer movies. Right. Okay. So, he's so we two, got... and then he did Days of Future Past and right. Apocalypse. So
0: the first one was Michael Kamen, right. and then John Ottman. Love what he did in X Men Two, and then there's that bit after the scene with Angel in the opening, and you you're always looking at the DNA strands,
1: mm-hmm. and you get the X theme, and it is a brilliant theme. Well, with the past two movies, it's not here. At from from X Men Two, when Days of Future Past start, opened, and you had that John Ottman theme, which I think is the I think that is the true X-Men film series score. I think that, that's the theme music. I, I don't care how you feel about the score from the first movie. That John Ottman score is the, the, the epitome of, of X-Men to me. You so know, when yeah. you get that opening and it's like... And then you get the, the, the and X-Doors the, doors and it... But I'm just thinking now... I just wanted that moment! Brian Singer <laughs>
0: left X3 and we got Brett Ratner as director... But he went to do Superman Returns, mm-hmm. and so did John Ottman.
1: Yep. So maybe he didn't do X three. No, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. It was X two. Yeah, he, he John Ottman just did the Bryan Singer movie, So oh, of course, yeah, he
0: said that. Yeah. Okay, so he did the Brian Singer movie. Because did he come back and do Daisy Future Past?
1: Yeah, Brian Singer did. No, Daisy... not, not Bryan. Singer. Oh, yeah, Ottman. O- yeah, Ottman. He did. Sorry, right, yeah, he did Daisy Future right, Past okay. and
0: Apocalypse. Wow, he did Apocalypse as well. He did Apocalypse. Yeah, did we do a podcast on Apocalypse? We
1: did.
0: (laughs) Okay, good. Right, Hans Zimmer, back on track. Yeah, this is a good score. It just, in no way did it move Mm. me as an X-Men score. We're getting all these uh, superheroics.
1: We've got the X-Men in costume and visually it's working. It worked really well for the the Jean Grey, the Phoenix stuff, you know, like... It sort of like went into her psyche, different in you, yeah. Like you know, gave a dark feel to it, and I was like, and there are some you know, quite scenes that are playing quite emotionally, and yeah, the score really was fitting to it, and I appreciated that and I liked it, but it just lacked that John Ottman X Men like riff on the animated series theme that just I just wanted. If anything, this movie could have been the shittest thing out. And if if I just gotten like an opening credits with that music, it, I would have just been like, well, <laughs> I, just, I don't understand why they why they didn't do
0: it. And and then I'm thinking, ah, oh, okay, so we didn't get it in the opening, we didn't get it in the movie for sure.
1: We're gonna get it in the end credits. You know when they first when the uh, the uh, the X-pline, the jet whatever it's called comes out of the basketball Blackboard. court. That's that's the one comes out the the basketball court you know reminiscent of the first movie first movie yeah with the basketball that that is one of my favorite music cues in that first movie and that's when you first hear like a little bit of I know and then like they're flying like the X Men are assembling am I allowed to say that the X Men (laughs) the X Men are on the plane they're they're going up and you just I'm like oh and nothing um okay. Disappointing. To me, that was like every time there's a Jurassic Park movie and they're flying towards an island and the Jurassic Park music isn't playing. I'm like, what? It's like, this makes <laughs> what no do do? sense. What are you doing? It makes no sense.
0: Just do it. I had to look it up. Last Stand is John Powell.
1: Ah, oh, very good.
0: <laughs> but he you, he lifted elements from Ottman because of you, you are him.
1: getting that. That's thing what's like, we were introduced to. Hans Zimmer could have, you know, just borrowed that or played with it or done something really cool with it, and but nothing. But again, not putting the guy down. It is, it's no, a good, it is it's a good. It's a good score. score.
0: Like it is a good score, but it you could put it in another film. If it was an X Men score, mm. it's like it very much only belongs in a in an X Men film. The X-Men then. Oh yeah, Charles for, Xavier. Charles let's, Xavier. Oh, let's just get into him. <laughs> just <laughs> like the comics at times, being a dick.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's a dick in this. Like, you know, we've seen him, you know, struggle in you know in the McAvoy films with the addiction in Daisy Future Past. Yep. But in this one is a fully formed, bald Xavier, and he's very much like just to please humans. He's putting
1: mutants at risk. Well, I guess he's taking the, you know, like, things are going well with the X-Men and mutant kind. And, you know, like, so he's on a bit of a, a high. In and as putting on a show. We, we need to dress up in colorful costumes yeah. and save the humans to be accepted. And the way, like, the fame's getting to him. You know, like, he's going to events where he's on stage and he's saying, oh, thanks. Um, yes, you can call a superhero. That's, that's quite nice. <laughs> and Mystique calls him out on it. Now, you know, she was first. When
0: we first see this version of the character, she's that little girl in the kitchen in first class. So she's been with Xavier all of this mm-hmm. time. So, like, more than anybody, she can see through the bullshit. And she calls him out and she's like, her and Beast, we need, we've done as much as we can. We need to get away from this life. Yeah, and like then, as we've already said, that. she gets killed. Yeah, and that Which plays leaves to... us with a very angry Beast. And they, they show us this in the poster, and you've got Magneto's side at the top right side, and you he looked like we were gonna get a full a full on dark beast who is a character from the comics from a different reality, but it's essentially a dark twisted version of Hank McCoy. And I thought they were gonna skew more towards that in this movie. Like I mean he's just he's pissed off for a bit, with good reason to and, like, and He's out like, yeah, Charles,
1: truthful. just admit what you did to Gene was wrong. You made a mistake. And that scene in the kitchen, I'm like, it's these moments in this movie that I'm like, you know, there is a good movie in this. It's, it's the actors. It's That's, the yeah.
0: actors. Honestly, they, they're doing a lot of the heavy Like lifting. he's sitting
1: there breaking down and it's like, you get it. And you've been with him for like four movies now. And he's like, yeah, like you believe in it. It's like, and then when he goes to Magneto and he's like, we've got to kill, we've got to kill Jean, Like she's off the rails. Like you're like, yeah, I get it.
0: When Jean's think, on the island when she goes to Utopia, and you and just knowing the relationship that Magneto and Mystique has, when he keeps asking her, whose blood, who's is, blood it? is that? And it's sort of like each time we each time he asked her, I felt it. I felt the weight of, of that. Like just knowing that he's just gonna lose it when he finds out whose blood it is. Yeah. And then when it happens, the scene with the humans coming and the helicopters. There's that's a cool scene.
1: It's a power struggle. It's You've got the Phoenix Force versus the Master of Magnetism. Yeah, like he's, he's really mo- like, he's controlling the the metal of the helicopter, and she's just controlling everything. <laughs> like it's a bit of it's a tug of war, and it's like I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's two conflicting things again. Like cool moments within a very muddled uh, ongoing thing. But well, we then heard. you do find out with Gene, because we'd
0: always heard no, we'd not. In the originally in Last Stand her parents are very much alive a, a de-aged Xavier yeah. and a de-aged Ian McKellen or Eric okay. <laughs> they they go and they take Gene away Said so we've got we can, we can look after her and we've got Stan Lee cameo in there we didn't get we didn't. one in this which
1: you know it's to be oh, oh yep oh it's yeah it's to be understood why. oh do you know what just on that do you think maybe they did one but then maybe decided not to use it they're like let Endgame be his last one.
0: Maybe. Maybe. But anyway, so with yeah. Jean Grey, though, like this is the first time I've ever witnessed it this way that her parents are believed to be dead and then it turns out that he, Xavier lied trying to protect her and her dad was actually alive and mm. she was responsible for killing her
1: own mom. So, I mean, there are things like that hinted throughout the whole series going back to the original trilogy of X-Men movies where Xavier was, you know, making these calls on his own on his own backside basically like he and he was he in a way controlling gene um holding her back and that i mean that's pretty much the plot of the last stand where you know there are the conflicts between the two of them it's more obviously explored here and sort of fleshed out a bit more but it's essentially the same thing but with more narrative to it so you do have that whole situation with oh she did she killed her mother and you know, he's trying to protect her from that information. She just thinks that they're dead. It's not. She loses control. Yeah, there's, you know, there's stuff there. There's character, there's plot. Cyclops. We've got Ty Sheridan back. Yeah. So his character development in this is he lives in... they ha- He has a room with yeah. with Jean. So they have a nice little apartment room thing in, within the school. Well, they were, then, we got to see them start a relationship in Apocalypse. Yeah, I mean and then 9 years later they flirt yeah. a little bit and then there's a moment in like when they're in space and you know like they touch and it's sort of like oh together yes as we you know it's implied they have a like a, a living space together and then he's very upset when she dies and he gets the f bomb oh. of the movie <laughs> if you hurt her I will fucking kill you <laughs> It was He really, said it, he got the f bomb <laughs> because of how the how the past movies have had, been gone it's like they get one they get one f bomb and it's all it's either been like I think it was Wolverine, then it was Xavier, then it was Magneto in Apocalypse. And now it's Cyclops. Now it's like... But, like, you would have thought they'd have given it to Phoenix. <laughs> the scene the scene when they're all... When they're pretty much... When they're in New York and they're all meeting up and, like, you know, Magneto's, like, first interacts with the with the rest of the cast again. Oh, and that, that's when I had this thought in my head. I was like, oh, when's the F-bomb gonna come in? And I was like, they're probably gonna give it to Magneto again. Yeah, it'd be a good time to, for it. And for some reason, in my head, like, I kid you not, I was thinking... I, th- I feel like it's, it's coming up. See, so and, and then it was yeah. it was
0: Scott. I was so like, he did what? that. So that's the thing that he did. What else did he do? Oh, the opening in space. Mm. They use his his. Uh, I want to say optic blast because I think they play <laughs> a bit free and loose with this because it's supposed to be like it is hot, but it's like it's light. It's not supposed to be setting things on fire. Like in the previous X Men film, yeah, he hits a tree with his optic. Well, I mean, blast. light
1: light is a form of heat. So, I mean... I guess. Yeah, it's a and then, then they, in this movie, Can he control the temperature, I guess, of it? Is the ship's gun? <laughs> Which was pretty cool, but I'm like, yeah, oh, I mean, okay, so he, this is happening He now. goes into, like, a telescope-type thing. Well, not a telescope type, but it's kind of like I that. I mean, and it then, was cool, but I'm like... Like, launch the missiles, does launch... Does power really work this way? But I guess it does. On someone's powers, this is a genuine question for you. Aurora Monroe, Storm, played yes. by Alexander Ship. Um... What are her powers? Because uh, weather um, manipulation. Yeah, so she can control the weather, the weather. The weather. Yep. and in that, she can generate rain, electricity, electricity. lightning. Yep. Can she create ice? Uh, yeah. In very small areas. Oh, so when so she can,
0: creates the ice cubes for the drink, I would skew towards yes because we're saying weather manipulation.
1: Sure. So it's
0: a it's a blanket power that so covers she, a lot of things. It's
1: basically controlling temperature in a very small area.
0: Yeah. When we get the scene on the train, and she's using, uh, using lightning, and she's flying,
1: brilliant. <laughs> I'm like, this is a good storm. Once again, you know, I mentioned the, the opening scene in space. When they're on the train, once again, you get all these characters using all their powers for one cause, but for you know, different elements within that one cause, and it's fantastic. It is, and, and she
0: contributed a lot to that scene. We've got Kurt Wagner Nightcrawler, played by Cody Schmidt mcphee His Nightcrawler in this was so far removed, for me, to the Alan Cumming Nightcrawler from X2. So when we got him in Apocalypse, like, he would use his powers, mm. he's got the whole thing that Nightcrawler has, he needs to be able to see where he's going, just in case. Is going to teleport into a solid object. So he
1: needs to see where he's going. I feel like they they tried to do that in this. Like he meant here. There's a throwaway line where he's like, "Oh, I can't, I can't see in there," so which implies that he, he can't. Yeah, so they still have that. But, but in, in when uh, in Apocalypse though, he was trans, he was teleporting all over the place without looking. I mean, you know, I think he's he's a favorite of yours. <laughs> but
0: in this movie, you know the opening of X Two, and you got Nightcrawler in the White House, and it is like a phenomenal opening. Yeah to a movie. Nightcrawler in this, I was reminding of that scene. He's like picking people up, throwing them with his tail, he's teleporting, dropping people. His combat is way more advanced than what we'd seen from yeah. this version of Nightcrawler before. Great Nightcrawler in this. Most of the X-Men have great character moments in this. And then he just falls flat with Jessica Chastain. But you know I'm sure <laughs> you know, we, we we keep meaning to to get to her. Peter Maximoff Quicksilver played once again by Evan Peters. Now he he's been a highlight for the past two movies. Daisy Future Past Apocalypse, he had two big moments, yeah, a big moment in each movie. Yeah. In this, they give us something. It wasn't that,
1: but they took him off the board way too early. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a big musical moment where it's all, you know, fun and games and all that, but he actually has a really cool scene still. Again on that spaceship where he's
0: yeah, Doing what he does. Yeah. like
1: That's really cool. I was thinking more the last
0: time we see him before the finale. Oh, when they're in the street and... They just basically used him as a way to show you how powered up Phoenix was. Because she could actually stop him. She, Yeah, she's that well, powerful. That... She was
1: able to think as quick as he can move and take him down. Well, that's the thing. He is actually so overpowered. And in a lot of situations, I think that's the reason they did take him out. I mean, there might have been some other behind-the-scenes things. Evan Peters is another one who has blown up into like a huge name now, you know, American it, Horror stories. But it's Captain Marvel in Endgame.
0: They had to take her away because she's too powerful. It's the Incredible Hulk in Endgame. They had to find a way to depower... Not depower him completely, but make him less powerful, Professor Hulk. They do this as a way to... Because mm. they can't have too many powerful... Powerful characters going up against this
1: one person. Quicksilver essentially can just solve so many problems just in a li- like a literal half a second. But like. the end of the movie is metabolism or
0: whatever. He you know he heals quickly or quicker than most people. So he was backing up on his feet and he had that joke about you know he did most things and then oh yeah like, came in at the end. The moments that he's on screen like I'm enjoying. He's really like, I'm liking them. And this is honestly I will say Quicksilver is a shining example of. Fox having something over the MCU <laughs> yes. they nailed it with Quicksilver
1: yeah wonder if we ever see it no, yeah, way. Well, we won't <laughs> I'm surprised we never saw her. his sister we saw her briefly in Days of Future Past yeah like in Wanda Wonder so. Maximoff very brief but that's never going to be anything
0: because it's done it's done it is done uh, Magneto did less in this than he did in Apocalypse he had a lot more to do although I did dislike strongly that he was just One of the Horsemen of Apocalypse in that. I think Magneto is bigger and better than that. Yeah, yeah. He was a tool in that movie. He was being manipulated, but you know, at least this the movie had
1: reasons. At least this one, they had him, you know, doing what he wanted to do by his choice. I just, I don't know. I think with the whole timeline reset, you know, they they kind of went like, well, he's not, he's not really a bad guy anymore. He's not, but at the same time, he's not one of the good guys really. He's just his own guy. You know the
0: end. Let's just talk about the end, and then we'll backtrack. The end, when it's him and Xavier, and they're about to play chess, and that, the characters, that's their thing. Hmm. Did, did it remind you of The Dark Knight Rises? Yes. Okay, good. Because that, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. But I also got the impression that, that Xavier is taking a timeout, and maybe if this franchise was to continue, we'd get Magneto leading the X-Men.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, like there's another movie, right, so
0: there was redemption for his character and he was leading the people on the island of Utopia.
1: And mm. yeah,
0: I do think if they were to continue,
1: that would be weird. following Magneto. And then with Xavier, it's like he realized that, you know, like, look, I've been making some bad calls. I thought I was doing the right thing, but nah. So I'm going to, that's why he stepped away. That would have been really cool, actually. Yeah. And then in the next movie, it would have been, you know, Magneto's, yeah, leading them potentially, you know, especially with, um, with Mystique out of the picture, um, or maybe they need his help and he steps in and does it, and then it, you know, things get so bad that they actually need Xavier to come back, and then which sets it up again. There's potential, a, man, there's, to lean yeah, into yeah, that, yeah, that that flash forward scene in at the end of Days of Future Past, where you know Wolverine and uh, make, uh, Professor X are just so like, if they hey, had time, what's up?
0: they could have found a way. But you know what? The only way they could have joined you
1: was they'd have had to make changes again. Another software reboot. That's the thing. Like, they did reshoots. And by this, by the time they're doing reshoots, they knew, they knew that they weren't going to be making more. Do you think they would have tweaked it to at least, make some sort of finale out of the end? Here's a question for you. With this being the second time they've attempted
0: the Dark Phoenix Saga, first time being the last stand, mm-hmm. do you think they did a better job this time compared to last time? I mean, yes, they did a better, they did a better job. It's, I mean, the last time wasn't great. Don't get me wrong, but I was yeah, just, yeah, I, mean, I,
1: I think they did it better compared to the last stand. They, yeah, they've done it better. It's more focused on Gene. It, I mean, it's not solely focused on it, but it is more than the last stand. But again, that's not saying much. You know, not only is this the second time, it's the second time Simon Kimberg has done it. That's what's he interesting. was there on the last
0: stand, and I remember years ago. He years was a rider, wasn't he? Yeah, well, so years, years, years ago, ago. Uh, Empire Magazine on the podcast they were interviewing interviewing him about X-Men in general talking about the last stand and he admitted that it didn't go the way that he wanted and it wasn't what he intended it to be and all these years later it's compromises everywhere back then and now like he couldn't just do the full like a genuine adaptation mm. so this poor guy has had to like compromise twice and it's not being the. Comic. I think the the issue with that is that like it looks bad on him. Look so... at the animated series that came out in the nineties. Yeah, they did a great, a great <laughs> job. I think they adapted it over maybe five episodes, but you'd had so much time with those characters. So when it happened, you felt the weight. What these movies do, they jump forward ten years. So we're being told well, in that ten years they've obviously bonded.
1: I mean, I just I, I just don't see why this couldn't be set, just a couple years after. Apocalypse just decided after first class that we're going to jump a decade. But you, but even by doing that, you know you get like some cool stylized things with the sixties and then um, with the seventies and eighties. Is that right? Yeah, we had three movies. But with this being the nineties, it's like they didn't throw in like a whole bunch of like nineties pop culture references or you know iconic things. You know, there wasn't a blockbuster store or anything like that. It just Besides some of the cars, it really felt like you know what. It that could is a have good been. I, it could have just been. It doesn't feel like now. Nice, it could does, have been it? now. I think the telephone looked kind of old, but I think it had the style of like a really old. You know, the turning one. Well, I can't remember what they're I called. The rotary by, phones. Is that what they're called. <laughs> distracted by the big X on it. I guess you know it's like you said. It was like the it was like the bat phone. Ah, oh, jeez. Like the X phone.
0: Villains then. Vuk. Jessica Chastain. She is such
1: a good actress. And in this, just bland. You wouldn't, if this was the first Jessica Chastain movie you'd ever seen, you'd be like, "Who's that chick?" and get her out of here. And that's, and that's what, and that's because of what. <laughs> that's the big bad in this in this movie. Did they need a big bad? I think. Oh, I
0: mean, you always need a big bad. Oh, no, but I don't. This I, character just wasn't it. Like, if I it was like, going to be Squirrels and Super Squirrel, that's a different thing altogether. I mean, we
1: addressed it with with the Jean Grey thing, you know, like. They already established the fact that there was something in her and she'd released at the end of Apocalypse. You could have just started this movie. Yeah, even if they jumped 10 years as they did, whatever. It could have just been, you know, something else triggers in her. You know, it just happens. Sometimes it just happened works. That works. They didn't need her to be hit by a beam. No. I mean, they could have just had her be killed in space. You know when she. And Jessica, then she yeah, come back and that. You didn't need aliens! You know, we're and, first introduced to her and she's
0: human, she's at the party with uh, you know yeah. her husband and the family. She was good in that. Do you know what I mean? When she was playing an actual person. <laughs> yes. But then as soon as she's taken over. You take all emotion out of her yeah, character. Yeah, she's just, just this blank canvas walking around saying that, oh, well, let's manipulate Gene. If that doesn't work, we'll just kill her and take the Phoenix like, Force
1: for ourselves. As much as I. As much as I probably regrettedly, uh, you know. They Def- I liked Apocalypse a bit too much. I admit that, you know, as a villain Apocalypse was pretty dull and, you know, he had cartoony lines and whatever. Villains man, like they can do Magneto, they can do Mr. I gotta say, Apocalypse compared to this chick. Oh, well at least he had something going for him. But even then like, though, they He got- was a, he was out of, he was from a different time, you know? But they this got is Oscar his-
0: Isaac, who's a bloody good actor, <laughs>
1: yeah. and then just buried him in prosthetics. Hmm. It could have been anybody. With Jessica Chastain, amazing actress, and then they just give her nothing to work with. They're just like show, no, show no emotion, and deliver every line in in, in just. And you stern. can imagine her, like doing a take, and she's like, are you sure this is okay? Is this what you want me to do?" And oh, you're <laughs> nailing it. This is perfect. Um, <laughs> aliens, yes. In this universe, we've had no no word, no like instance or it's a new thing. Yeah. You know, in the MCU by this stage, Aliens is fully you know. It's new. but this yeah. So we have aliens now. It's a fair assumption that first they believed it to be mutants,
0: and then the that the military personnel that have taken the X-Men, they've detained them, and the the X Men are like, free us and we'll help you. Like, no 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 it's other mutants. And then a guy comes in and went, Oh you yeah, no no no, they're right, it it is an alien. How does he know?
1: It could just be another mutant. They could be, yeah. But you're right safe. though, aliens exist. I feel like movie. that's a big deal, but I think because of the, everything else the else. real world yeah. that we live in it's that you just accept that it's like okay alien here yeah, no big deal in a superhero movie and it's like I'm hang on I'm fine with aliens but these are shit aliens <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean Like of... they don't really
0: they can take human mm. form and then there's no real rule around how powerful a particular alien is like one of them can get taken down really
1: easy they were and like terminators put a up. Yeah.
0: bulletproof like guy that got shot in the head bang 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 he's okay shoot him again dead it's like you'd have thought he'd have So after the 17th sense. bullet, that's too much. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm doing it. Final moments. We're, Final moments. Okay, yeah. are yeah. there. Flaming Phoenix appears in the sky and X2 did it better.
1: <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Because it was subtle.
0: It was just better. We've got the reflection in the water. The yeah. Phoenix is still out there. and you, And you... I do Where think, were they? Were they in Paris
1: or they were in France or something like that? I,
0: yeah, Blue, so. Xavier, and someone. why was she in the end. sky there? Like, I just think because she's just floating about doing stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, and we we're, we're not. I'm not including us in this. A lot of people have written off this movie because it, it's the end and. We know a reboot's coming. MCU of the characters, and I think that that is unfair of this movie. I think. Oh, I mean, is,
1: this movie definitely has a lot of stuff going against it. Like it does, that.
0: but it's definitely it, it's worth it's worth watching. There's no mid-post credit
1: scene, and I was waiting, and there's nothing. Do you know what would have been cool? You know, at the end of like at the end of Days of Future Past, where you know Wolverine walks into Professor X's office, and he's like, have got a lot to catch up on." It would be cool. Just as a post even if they just reuse some footage, just of Patrick Stewart just saying, "And that's what happened." <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I know. That's not it. But like, you know, cool? or even if they just ended it with
0: Hans Zimmer playing the X theme from the animated series. I do oh, this <laughs> the the score is <laughs> just lacking. X Men. The rating. I guess, I'll I'll go because I was kind of leading. leading yeah, to you it were. Like, this this movie. I would say it is worth your time. Like, if you've been with these movies and you've enjoyed the X-Men movies, like, don't write it off early. Don't hear something bad online. I think it's tracking something like 22% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I mean, is Rotten Tomatoes
1: is, is, the, is the worst thing
0: to follow anyway. I know, but still, like, that is a very low score, and people do look at it and they take note. Yes, this is the last film, and don't just think, well, don't need it, I'll just wait until they come back. There's a lot to like here, and it's not a perfect movie, and whether the reshoots are the problems or not, the performances are still solid, like you've got some of today's top actors, where where did they even go to recast this, I don't know, but the cast that they've assembled across 19 years of film, is so impressive, and I really enjoyed the superheroics in this, and maybe a little bit... Of of me knew that it was coming to an end and I, want, I was wanting to like enjoy it as, for as much as I <laughs> as could. As much as you could. Hanging on to it. Like thinking, Squeeze every It's, it's going to end. The costumes, the performances, the the characters being superheroes, I loved all of that. I think I'm coming in a little bit higher than what I was originally thinking. I'm going to come in at a four. Wow. I'm coming, <laughs> I'm coming in at a four. I mean, I... I am saying four, I am thinking 3.5, but I'm going to stick with, with a four. And that is me, that is for the, the performances and the superheroics. Now, four is high for a shit villain, <laughs> I admit. But I just think this movie does, it, it should be watched. Go out to the movies and watch it. It's, it is worth your time. Jason, 5
1: out of 5? <laughs> okay, so this is, this is what I'm going to do. For the last and final time, and I think we both need to make an agreement that we never bring it up ever again. When we did review X-Men Apocalypse, I infamously gave it 5 out of 5. I've rewatched all the movies again. And even like movies like Days of Future Past, I'm like, that's not as good as I remember. <laughs> like, it's, still, it's still up there. But Apocalypse, I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, there's, there's a lot more... Going on that I didn't catch the first time, um, so yeah, let's put that to rest. Um, I'm not giving this movie a five out of five. You were riding a high, and I may regret this for. That's all. I like, kind of already do, but I've said it now. I feel like, yeah, you're on a more realistic uh, high. <laughs> I don't know where I'm, I
0: was. There. I'm honestly, man, like, I I am credit. It's it's the performances. Like you put some run of the mill actors in this film. It would have been nothing. It's average. It is average.
1: Yes, this is not a great movie. Um, This is an okay movie. This is this is an okay, fine movie. Um, The backlash that it's been getting uh, critically and stuff, I really don't understand it. Did we watch different movies? I don't know. I've said it. You know, this movie is littered with moments of just joy. It's like it's it's very cool. Um, It's it's hell messy. It's tonally a bit crazy, especially in that second, you know, in the middle part of the movie, you know, when, you know, Gene sort of becomes a phoenix and then it kind of goes off its rail. But it finds itself again by that third act on the train. I know it's not big and crazy as, you know, it's not cosmic, but I think it's an intimate story. Yeah, maybe it should have been bigger being the phoenix saga, but... I don't know, it works for me. And I actually, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed those moments, and all those moments that you talked about, the super heroic stuff, the powers, the the costumes, even though I thought, being all the same, uh, a bit bland for me, but I yeah, I understand why it works. It is sad to see the characters go and this be done. I do wish the, the actual ending ending was something a little bit more finale-wise. Um, so I guess that left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Um, for me, I'm landing at a three out of five. Wow. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. Go watch it. It's worth your time. Um, don't wait for a DVD or whatever. Just get, it's there's enough cool things visually and special effects wise that it's worth the big screen. Like it's and I think there's more story and like actual real emotion in this movie than people giving this movie credit for, which I don't get it. It's just shaky. It's just a bit. It's very shaky.
0: I've got one more bit of praise. The use of sound, the audio in this film, whether mm. it was the particular like the screening that I went to, but the sound was phenomenal. Like during the big set pieces in space, the smashing of glass,
1: yeah. Oh, one thing I've great gotten, sound design. One thing I've got to mention it, you know, on the train, you know, when the, they're getting rounded up, all the mutants, the mutant containment unit. Oh, in MCU. The, yeah. Oh, beautiful. But you just reminded <laughs> me
0: in the trailer they pretty much teleplayed. That it was Magneto lifting up the train, and it wasn't. That scene was portrayed differently in the trailer to how we got it in, the it? Movie, it really it? It in the movie. It was I really liked it. He was Jean in the movie, but they made it look as though it was uh,
1: Magneto. I remember no trailers with a train. <laughs> I think the later ones. Oh no, nah, they, they, yeah. they showed the train. Yeah. yeah, people have been saying like, "Oh, you know, they get captured and stuff," and it's like, "What?" <laughs> like, it's a trivia. <laughs> yeah, go for it.
0: Oh, I am hosting. Okay. Apologies, everybody. I have no trivia. <gasps> this is as disappointing as the ending of the movie. Yeah, um, yeah I, I... Wow. Okay. Um, so that's it for our review of... I, oh, dude, I got nothing. <laughs> that's it for our review of X-Men Dark Phoenix... Please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. I am so sorry. <laughs> this,
1: is the, this is the exact feeling I got when there was no post credit scene. Okay, I was like, there I was we like, go. Yeah, I did it on purpose. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> so I can express that emotion and you guys know how it feels. Uh, we are on social media, though. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that Podcast. We also have our sister shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. And all our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmsfewpodcast.com. If you missed it, rewind and review. Recently went back to the year
0: 2000 to look up where these X-Men films first started. With X-Men. Sounds Like Comics' latest episode checks out the first Men in Black movie from 1997.
1: And to follow up on that, the next upcoming review from us is Men in Black International.
0: You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from That Film Stew. See you soon.